Well, the geniuses at the Pontifical Academy for Life appear to be setting up a reversal of the long-held Catholic tradition on birth control. I'm going to be interested to see how that story develops. Also today, we talk about Biden and the Pope. It looks like the Pope has finally condemned Biden's position on abortion on demand. Hopefully, he'll condemn Nancy Pelosi's as well. Also today, we're going to talk about the Chaplet of the Precious Blood. I'm Corey Tucholsky, and this is Back Rome Again, the show that examines Catholic news, views, and devotionals from the point of view of a Catholic revert. Well, it's sad but true, but gas prices are not coming down anytime soon, guys. That's why I have the Upside app on my phone, and I encourage you to get uh, to get it as well. It offers cash back on food, like groceries and rest, and some restaurants even, but most especially it offers cash back at the pump. You can get up to $0.25 cents per gallon back to you in the app. Just download the app from your phone store and use invite code C-O-R-Y-87755 to let them know I sent you. What are you waiting for? Download it today. You are not going to regret it.
Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the Chaplet of the Precious Blood. And I have a special website prepared for all of the information that you would need for the Precious Blood. Check it out at CoreyTaholsky.com slash Precious dash Blood. That's CoreyTaholsky.com slash Precious dash Blood. And while you're at it, the Catholic Company is a great company and a great website to give your business to. They'll have everything that you can possibly need, Catholic books, Catholic gifts, everything that you could possibly want to buy, and probably a lot of stuff that you didn't even know that you needed. So check them out as well. I have a special link for them at CoreyTaholsky.com slash Catholic-Company. Well, it looks like the Pontifical Academy for Life is going to rethink the contraception issues. Uh, let's note that 55 years ago, the letter Humana Vitae was released by Pope St. Paul VI, and it unequivocally clarified that the Church is absolutely opposed to artificial contraception in all of its forms. Uh, that did face a quite a bit of resistance at the time, However, it has been reaffirmed in more recent times from St. John Paul II's Evangelum Vitae and the current uh, version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which was revised by Pope Francis to describe contraception not as intrinsically disordered, instead it now describes it as intrinsically evil, making it much uh, making it a much greater threat to, uh, to practice. Now, I would like to add to this, my own thoughts, which is that Pope Paul VI was something of a visionary at the time. And this comes from someone who was not part of the Catholic Church during his sexual uh, exploration time, and I really wish that I had stayed with church teachings at the time. I really, really do, because it has now come back to bite me in the butt in ways I don't even want to talk about on this podcast, because it's very personal. However, I have seen the damage that artificial birth control and artificial contraception does to people, not just in my own existence, my own sexual explorations, but in what I'm seeing in today's modern hookup culture. And this is all made possible by two things the rise of artificial contraception, and the proliferation of abortion on demand. With these two things, hookup culture is going to go on and on forever and ever, because humans love sex, and humans love consequence-free sex even more. And I'm hard-pressed to find any pro-choice argument that doesn't break down to something along the lines of, I would just, I just want to have sex whenever I want to and not have to worry about it. So the Vatican Institute of the Pontifical Academy for Life, or PAL, ironically named PAL, uh, has issued a new... I'm going to call this a 528-page synthesis of the proceedings of a 2021 PAL-sponsored theological seminar. This book was actually written, or actually was uh, released, much to the surprise of many members of the Pontifical Academy of Life. PAL member Elena Postigo says... As a member of the PAL, the book is not an official statement, but the seminar records in which 20 people made their personal statements. Many members didn't know about it and are astonished. 
The introduction describes this synthesis as, quote, a contribution that elaborates a Christian vision of life by expounding it from the perspective of an anthropology appropriate to the cultural uh, mediation of faith in today's world, end quote. Now, uh, okay, so we can tell that was written by a PhD because only somebody with uh, only somebody with multiple advanced degrees and no no experience breaking things down is going to write a sentence like that. No offense, academics. Seriously, I loved my time subscribing to the uh, Journal of the Philoso- of the Evangelical Philosophical Society, and I absolutely loved uh, disseminating the papers that were printed in that, especially Paul Capon's work uh, is God a Moral Monster, remaining my favorite academic paper that I've ever re- uh, read, and uh, uh, Dr. Clay Jones's rebuttal, or I should say support of uh, the Moral Monster paper, which is, we don't understand sin, so we don't know what happened to the Canaanites. Those two, uh, I believe both of them became books, although I could have to double check on Clay Jones. I know that, that Dr. Capons did. Anyway, a 528 page, oh my gosh, this is a contribution that elaborates a Christian vision of life. So we're talking about the contribution elaborating on a Christian vision of life by expounding. We're going to look at more, we're going to take a more detailed look at it from the perspective of an anthropology appropriate. So that's something new. We're going to look at it from something new. We're looking at it from a new understanding of human nature and of human worth or of human uh, exploration, appropriate to the cultural mediation of faith in today's world. So we are looking at a vision of life, or expanding a vision of life, from the perspective of a, from the human perspective that's appropriate to what we see in today's culture, (laughs) and the way that today's culture looks at faith. So you know darn well this is going to, take down or attempt to take down uh, birth control if society would take a view of sex the way the catholic church has traditionally taught the view of sex which is it is both unitative and procreative that is you cannot divorce its life uh that is it's both life affirming in that i am affirming my life together with my partner but it is also life creating in that I am capable of now adding new life to this world through the act of sex. If we take a look that it is supposed to be both unitative and procreative simultaneously at all times and never allow it to be divorced from especially the life creating aspect of it, then we're going to have a society that respects both sex and the babies from that result from that act, uh, from those acts of creation so much better. We're not going to see abortion on demand. We're not going to see hookup culture. We are going to respect that gift that God gave us. The introduction goes on to state, quote, the vitality of that encyclical Evangelum Vitae and its precious legacy, in order to be honored to the full, required us not to limit ourselves to commenting on it, but rather to decipher its meaning within the framework of the Christian magisterium that brings its teaching to life for today's church, end quote. 
That is from Archbishop Paglia in the introduction. Now, I, let's break that sentence down because that's really something, that's really key here. The vitality of Evangelum Vitae and its precious legacy in order to be honored to the full. So we're, we're, we're really going to try to honor this thing to the full, but how are we going to honor it to the full? We're not going to limit ourselves to commentary, but decipher its meaning within the framework of the Christian magisterium that brings this teaching to life. Or to, so to me, I hear redefinition when I, when I read that. We're going to try to stretch what St. John Paul said to the absolute limit of what we're going to, uh, of what we can possibly do so that we can get our own point of view out of it. Let's go back to Archbishop Paglia. Quote, This task is always carried out in relation to the living word of God, which is its ultimately binding rule, and to the new questions posed by the condition of the human subject, who is the designed, who is the designated interlocutor of its wisdom. In this way, the tradition of faith is born, it develops, and lives. End quote. And so I'm going to go ahead and agree with the NCR article which goes on to read, Many theologians are likely to find dubious the claim that the latest PAL document's position is in any way a genuine development of Evangelum Vitae. I, dis I pretty much decoded the academic speak above that said it's not a development of Evangelum Vitae, it's a redefinition. The register goes on, or indeed the entire body of pa uh, papal magisterial teaching concerning the contraception from humana vitae onward. Although its text is not yet available in English, the Italian media confirms that it breaks significantly from established church teachings on contraception. Well, that's no surprise to me, right? I, at all. Just based on what I have read in that introduction or the translations of that introduction, it's looking not to develop or to expound, but to redefine and reinterpret what the church is trying to teach. And they're going to do it in a way that's going to give them the liberal edge, the, pe uh, the edge on getting contraception into the church, getting more than just using the rhythm method. And the register goes on to say, since there are, quote, conditions and practical circumstances that would make the choice to generate irresponsible, end quote, a translation of the reported text reads, a married couple may decide to resort, quote, with a wise choice, end quote, to contraceptive techniques, quote, obviously excluding abortive ones, end quote. So we're not trying to shoehorn in abortion, but we're definitely going to try to get... Uh, contraception. The reason why St. Paul VI was such a visionary was that he understood the incremental steps that something had to take. It wasn't like we were going to start with abortion on demand right away. That was unconscionable to anyone. But birth control was a little bit more palatable. So in creeps birth control. Then you have the... I, now, once hookup sex kind of becomes the norm then you have paved the way because you now will have a bunch of unwanted pregnancies and it just seems merciful. And that's a lot of the pro-choice position is that it just seems merciful to kill these children instead of making them come into the world, instead of forcing someone who doesn't want them to be a mother because then what kind of a mother is she going to be? She's going to be a terrible mother. 
All this came in incrementally, and that is why Paul VI was such a visionary in forbidding contraception in the first place, is because contraception is what led to all of this, that slippery slope argument you hear. It doesn't, you know, oh, no one's, no one's trying to argue for this. Well, eventually, they are. And that, again, is why Paul VI was such a visionary with human vitae. Now, I, I don't know, I'm cradle Catholic and then a revert, and I still feel like there is so much church teaching to digest. I mean, we're just talking about the abortion and contraception issues, and all of this is so complex. How can we learn it? Well, I would recommend St. Anne's Helper if you're confused. Go to my website, coreytaholsky.com slash st-a-n-n-e-s. coreytaholsky.com slash St. Anne's. There's some more details there on how St. Anne's can help you learn the Catholic faith. And better than that, it's resources for teachers and instructors and catechists so that they can teach CCD classes, they can teach catechist classes, in, and of course, RCIA classes. There's audio commentary or audio catechism on there. It's overall a very good resource for anyone who wants to find Catholic information and teach the Catholic faith to others. Go to my website, coreytaholsky.com slash st-a-n-n-e-s for more details. As tradition for the show, we're going to go into one Catholic devotion, and that is the Chaplet of the Precious Blood. It's new to me. I just learned about it as I was researching the month of July, which is the month of the Precious Blood of Jesus. And I found that devotion fascinating, and I'm think I'm going to do a live stream on my TikTok uh, maybe next Friday or something like that if I get enough interest beforehand. And But let's dive into the devotion right now and let's see what all entails. So the Chaplet of the Precious Blood is said on a set of prayer beads very similar to a rosary. Now here are the differences. There are only five beads in each group instead of ten, and there are six groups instead of five. The single chain that leads down to the crucifix has only three beads on it. Now this will make for a total of 33 beads, which anyone who is paying attention to their symbolism will realize this is the exact number of years in our Lord's life. Now there are several of these chaplets available. I will link in the, put a link in the show notes to a page I put together of several of them. You are welcome to take a look and hopefully pick up one that looks good for you. The website that you can go to is coreytaholsky.com slash precious-blood. That'll be coreytaholsky.com slash precious-blood. Uh, they are from show sponsors like the Catholic Company, so you can take a look and see what you like from that. To begin the chaplet, you, of course, do the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and then begin in the middle. Not the end, like you do for the rosary. Begin in the middle, and you will begin with uh, the opening to the liturgy of the hours. God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. And then begin by contemplating the mystery while you pray down to the beads. Each bead, there's only remember there's only five in a group, is an Our Father. So Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And so on down the line until you get to the end, and then it's another glory be, followed by the invocation. We beseech you, therefore, help your servants whom you have redeemed by your precious blood. And then you move on to the next mystery, the five our fathers, the glory be. We beseech you, help your servants whom you have redeemed by your precious blood, all the way around until you get back to the middle. Once you're back to the middle, you'll contemplate that final uh, uh, mystery, and this time only say three our fathers, and then you follow it with the final prayer of the chapel. Let us pray, Almighty and Eternal God, you have appointed your only begotten Son, the Redeemer of the world, and willed to be appeased by his blood. Grant, we beg of you, that we may worthily adore this price of our salvation, and through its power be safeguarded from the evils of this present life, so that we may rejoice in the fruits forever in heaven. Through that same Christ our Lord. Amen. So what are the mysteries, you ask? There are seven mysteries that you'll uh, pray, uh, that you'll meditate on as you go around the horn. You will recognize five of them as the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. That means there's only two original uh, mysteries on this chaplet. Let's talk about each one. First is the circumcision of Jesus. I think this is an interesting one to contemplate because Traditionally, this was the time that the young Jewish man was given his name. And we all know that names in the Bible are often extremely significant to the person involved. Abraham, for example, means father of many or father of multitudes. Isaac means he laughed because uh, Sarah laughed when she was told that she would become pregnant with a son. I could go on and on with different names of the Bible that were extremely significant. Go actually for the most significant ones to the uh, prophet Hosea. That was extremely interesting and almost a case study in how biblical names all mean something specific. But the name of Jesus is the most interesting because Jesus is the Hebrew for God saves. It was at the first shedding of his precious blood the circumcision that Jesus received his name and the name that he would say uh, the name was that he would save all of us and so it is by the blood of Jesus that God wills that humanity be saved and this was the first time it was symbolically shown that that would be the case and the next mysteries are you're going to recognize from the rosary in fact, they're the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. The second mystery is the agony in the garden, when Jesus sweat literal blood. Or he was so worried about the death that he was about to undertake. In fact, he prayed for it to be taken away from him. But ultimately, despite all of his worry, despite all of his, uh, despite all of that, Jesus submitted to God's will first and foremost. And I pray that I included, but all of us listening can have that kind of devotion to God. The third mystery is the scourging at the pillar. It was common for the Roman soldiers to take flesh, literal chunks of flesh off when they whipped people. And that was in preparation for the crucifix because, or for the crucifixion, because that would mean that the 
the prisoner who was spread eagle on the cross would have a difficult time and a more difficult time trying to stand upright to breathe because he would be adding all the splinters of the cross to his back as he would try to push up on it. The third mystery, the next mystery is the crown of thorns, uh, in which the Jesus was not only, uh, which not only blood was shed, but in which case he was mocked and humiliated. He was supposed to be the king of the Jews, and so why not give him a crown? The soldiers mocked, and so they did. They gave him a crown. Uh, they wove a crown of, out of thorns and they pushed it onto his head, again drawing more of that precious blood. The fifth mystery is the carrying of the cross. Now, I love this mystery because the carrying of the cross is a little bit of a misnomer. And remember, Jesus told us throughout his ministry that we should take up our cross daily and follow him. Well, it's interesting to note that if we are actually following him in the light, in that light, that Jesus did not carry his own cross. Read those Gospels again. Simon of Cyrene was pulled from the crowd and pressed into service. And he carried Jesus' cross, at least for a time, during which... Jesus could not carry his cross. And that's extremely symbolic because Jesus carries our cross for us. It is not up to us to live our lives on our own, but Jesus comes in and he takes that for us. Not only is he taking the burden of this life for us, not only is he helping us lift that burden that we can't lift ourselves, but by this very act of carrying the cross to his death, Jesus is redeeming all of humanity to be uh, taken up to with God. And the sixth mystery is the crucifixion of Jesus. And I don't think I really need to say anything else here. There, we've all thought about this. We all see it when we walk into our churches every day or every Sunday. What, uh, what more is there to be said about the supreme act of love given to all mankind? And the seventh mystery of the Chapel of the Precious Blood is the spearing of the sacred side. When Jesus was speared by one of those Roman soldiers to make sure that he was dead, and blood and water poured from the wound. Now, here's something that a lot of us miss when we think about the sacred side. It's the love and mercy of God that's pouring out in the form of blood and water. This is connected to the divine mercy image, when we see the blood and the water pouring from Jesus' heart. But think about this. That's the birth of the church right there, guys. That's where the church comes from in the first place, is that blood and water, that love and mercy of God right there out of Jesus' side. In the same way that God took flesh from Adam, from Adam's side, and formed his bride Eve, this is what's happening in the church. The birth of the church was the side of Jesus and so she is the bride of Christ in that imagery, and that is, uh, that is powerful, powerful symbolism, guys. We are the bride of Christ, and we are born of him the same way that Eve was born of Adam. Now, I gave a short meditation on each of the mysteries, and that is not necessarily how you need to think of each mystery as you pray through this divine uh, as you play through the Precious Blood Chaplet yourself. The power of the contemplative devotion is that you don't have to think about the mysteries in any specific way. I gave you a short reflection from my own thought off the top of my head. I really didn't research any of that. You can think about what you want to think about. 
you can connect it to that in any tenuous way or in any specific concrete way that you so desire. And that's the beauty of the contemplative devotion. This is for God to speak to you rather than you speak to him. Well, that is about all the time we have on the program today, folks. I appreciate you coming by and giving me a listen. If you like what you're hearing, give me a review. I am available on Apple Podcasts now, so throw a five-star review in there, please. Please make sure you visit the website, corytahulski.com slash precious-blood for all the resources that I put together for you. If you visit those sites through those links, then I will get some affiliate cash, and that is going to help the program grow. If you'd like to just simply donate some money, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash Tahulski. And make sure that you search me out on Facebook and join my Facebook group for Catholic Converts. I'll see you again next week, guys. Thanks again for dropping by, and God bless you all.